Hello, and you're very welcome to another episode of the Life Well Lived podcast. I'm Shane Breslin, and I'm very excited to bring this episode to you. Today, I speak with Tracy McCann, who's a young woman from Dublin in Ireland who is making waves in the world, and what I'm sure you'll agree, once you take the time to listen to this episode, is her own absolutely unique way. A really big part of this Life Well Lived project mission is to help in some small way to create a world where everyone is able to fully explore and express their own once-in-history uniqueness and then to bring it to the world with a full heart so that they can experience a life of energy, purpose, fulfillment and impact. Tracy McCann is certainly doing that in her own way. She was a healthy and able-bodied child but at the age of eight her entire life was turned upside down. After going through a terrifying ordeal she was eventually diagnosed with rapid onset muscular dystonia which is a rare neurological movement disorder, which comes on abruptly and causes extensive muscular abnormalities, which make it difficult to walk, talk, and carry out all the other normal activities of daily life. Tracy suffered all of those, and for the past 20 years, she's been dealing with the effects of her condition. She is unable to speak, but that will never stop her from speaking. She may have no voice in the recognized definition of that word, but she's still using her voice to inspire people everywhere and to advocate for the disabled and the voiceless. This interview is conducted through text-to-speech software. Tracy has used this software in other interviews and she's also building an impressive profile as an inspirational public speaker. It was a real honor for me to spend time with Tracy and her partner, Patrick, during this recording. Patrick's in the background all the time, helping to make sure everything happens. Words like inspiring are thrown around like confetti these days, but the dynamic between Tracy and Patrick And the work that they're doing in the world is so humbling and yes, inspiring. I'm sure you will agree. I really hope that this interview does some justice to the obstacles Tracy has had to cross in her young life. And it tells even a part of the story that she's bringing to the world. So no more from me. Let's get into this week's episode of the Life Well Lived podcast with author, life coach, public speaker and disability advocate, Tracy McCann. Tracy, you're very welcome to the podcast. One of the first questions that I ask everybody is what are you most excited about right now? Becoming more known in the world and having such a positive impact on the world. I will succeed and that excites me the most. I'd love to hear about your childhood, also about the incident and the illness that struck when you were eight years old, I think. Could you tell me about any memories you have before then? When I was a little girl, I loved family days out. The weekends were such an adventure, all the family including my aunties, uncles, and cousins, would go off for a day out, with a packed up picnic. We would go to the Wicklow Mountains, or the Dunedee Woods in Kildare, anywhere, but there was always a big drive to it to make it more exciting. We all shared laughter and fun times in those days. I loved running around, feeling the freedom, I was so energetic. I loved being out in the great outdoors and smelling the different natural smells, feeling the different types of weather against my skin, breathing it all in. I felt so happy in those types of environments. The girl I was back then loved getting up to mischief. To be honest, I was a troublemaker. I gave my younger brother an awful time, as older siblings do at that age. I once told him that I was in these deadly places with my friends, just around the corner from our house, and that I even got hot chocolate. 
It was made really cozy, and even had lots of his favorite toys there, but only big kids could go. This would understandably make him mad jealous, and then he would cry to our ma'am. Then, I'd get the usual giving out to buy my ma'am, and told to bring my brother with me next time. My mum even believed this lie, I was raging though because in my head I was visualizing what it would be like, if my lie were in fact true, how happy would I be? From a young age, I was a very dramatic, loud, and cheeky child. I did enjoy school, I felt I was more myself in school, and around other people. At times, I was however, quiet, so quiet in fact that you would hardly know that I was there. But then I would let loose, and would suddenly become a loony bin. I wouldn't, and couldn't shut up. I would be like two very different people, all rolled into one. I loved being creative, and would spend hours doing art, writing stories, and having time to myself, living in my own world, in my head, all thanks to my powerful imagination. I was a very happy little independent girl, I loved to laugh and enjoy my youth, I had so many fun memories with my family, even though I was a little devil, I lapped up the attention. So, my early life was good, until it changed dramatically within a short space of time. I was struck with a sudden and life-changing disability known as rapid onset muscular dystonia. In more or less a few days, I went from being an able-bodied child, to a child locked in an extremely painful, and constant spasm, unable to communicate or do anything for myself. It was very challenging. So what is rapid onset muscular dystonia? Is there a cause or what does it do? Well, here is the medical definition of dystonia. Dystonia is a neurological movement disorder in which a person's muscles contract uncontrollably. The contraction causes the affected body part to twist involuntarily, resulting in repetitive movements, or abnormal fixed postures. Dystonia can affect one muscle, a muscle group, or the entire body. The movements may resemble a tremor. Dystonia is often intensified, or exacerbated, by physical activity, and symptoms may progress into adjacent muscles. Dystonia generally develops gradually. Exceptions include rapid onset dystonia with Parkinsonism, which may develop over days or even hours. And what was it like afterwards? Were you immediately conscious that you were different than other children? It felt very odd. I felt I was the same Tracy inside, but I felt very trapped and very far away from people, even if they were right beside me. So how did you cope? Did you have coping mechanisms as the months and the years went past? I really was not coping, I was struggling big time. I found it so hard living, in fact, I really didn't want to. I had really strong negative thoughts about doing harm to myself, and getting the pleasure of release from it. I really hated myself, and felt it would be better for everyone if I wasn't here. I felt as though I was a ghost, but, I could feel everything. It was so hard to pretend that everything was okay. I felt so alone, and as though nobody could relate to me, or even wanted to. 
I felt I was going deeper and deeper down a never-ending dark pit. While I was lucky to have had great family support, I realized that the only person who could help me was in fact me. Even though I had those negative thoughts, I knew deep down that I really wanted to live, but I had to find the best way. I realized that life is too short to be waiting around for someone to make the changes in my life that I felt were required, and even though I was struggling with the pain of loss and the overwhelming feeling that I missed out, I knew that I needed to take back my power, and so I began not only visualizing the life that I wanted, but working towards it. In my teenage years, I loved nothing more than putting on my earphones, blasting the music, and visualize the life that I wanted, full of confidence and attitude. I saw myself as a woman who was going places, a woman who everyone looked up to and admired so much. I felt so powerful in those moments, and my aim was to make that vision become my reality. I knew that I could. I may not have had a clearly understandable physical voice, but the inner voice could speak volumes. It seems extraordinary that even though you had experienced such a trauma, I think is probably a fair word to describe it, that you still had such energy and drive to be and do the best you could. Have you at all made your peace with the condition and been able to come to terms with it at all? In short, yes, I have. I feel that I was destined to get this disability, destined to overcome this challenge so that I could teach others how to do the same. To elaborate further, I have always had this burning fire of desire in my stomach, this unwavering willingness that I can literally do anything and everything I set my heart to. I hated feeling that I was not living my life to its full, that my life was being wasted. I am a risk taker, my attitude is that we only have one life, so why hesitate in doing things, take your control back and live each day, as if it is your last. One of my biggest and most controlling frustrations I had from earlier years of my life was that I was extremely eager to do everything. However, I felt I was being held back for years from being my true self because I was trapped inside my body. I could not just explore life in an unsafe manner like some people do. I tried making friends with the same interests. However, I felt people had their own things going on and that I was a bit of a burden on them. Then when Patrick came back into my life a number of years ago he showed me he was fully committed. After years of making me play second fiddle to his friends, I knew it was for real this time, so I grabbed life and Patrick by the hand, and together we are unstoppable, living life to its full. Do you think the condition changed you fundamentally in any way? Do you ever feel that you've achieved maybe even more because of it rather than less? Well, I can honestly tell you that out of the many life lessons that I have learned over the years, the most important is this. Even though I have a physical disability, even though initially I did not want it, and even though at times I still get moments of depression because of my situation, I am not automatically entitled to the same things as an able-bodied person. I realized this as I was growing up with my disability. I may be entitled to the same human rights and protection, as per my country's constitution, 
but not other things, like employment, participation in local groups, or a social life full of great friends. I, along with many other disabled people like Patrick, know that it takes strong determination to actively seek out ways to reach our targets. The lives that Patrick and I now have, were not handed to us on a plate, we went out and made our memories, and shaped our lives all by ourselves, and we will continue to do so, confident in the knowledge that we will succeed. We have this knowledge due to the following simple fact, our motivations are greater than our limitations. Let's talk about public speaking, because I know you have done public speaking. I know you want to do a lot more and a lot bigger stages. When did you decide that you wanted to speak publicly? And did any part of you feel it was impossible? Or did you always have that inner belief that even though you're unable to speak out loud, that that should be no obstacle to actually speaking on the stage? To be honest, I felt both. It was something I wanted to do because I felt that my message and my story were collectively too powerful not to share. I did question the how, and I still had not come to terms with this robot voice, which I was very uncomfortable and anxious about using. I had to do lots of practice using it. I done this on Facebook videos and small presentations. It took me ages to actually feel good about it. A number of years ago, I was attending an event called We Can and We Will, which is a great event. Patrick told me that I should put my name down to speak at the next event. I was terrified. My thought process was, what will people think? Will I deliver it well? However, it was time I made my vision a reality and embraced my uniqueness as opposed to cowering away from it. I had my very first public talk in front of an audience of around 80 people. From that talk, my message was clear. On that night, the audience all felt very emotional. They were laughing one moment, then crying the next. They were with me every step during that talk and felt everything. At the end, I received a standing ovation. From that talk on, I have grown and bloomed more each day, and all my fears went out the window. My confidence took off. Now, it feels so natural being on stage. Sometimes, we have visions of our future, but most of the time all we focus on is the obstacles that stand in our way. However, from my first-hand experience, once we focus on overcoming those obstacles, regardless of what others think or say, then we will succeed. We can all see ourselves standing in our own light, having accomplished our goals. One thing you said there that I'd love to explore more with you, and that's, I think you said, embracing your uniqueness. I was at the Dublin Tech Summit earlier in the year, and one of the speakers was a fellow called Jitender Sedev, who wrote the book, The Kim Kardashian Principle which is all about find what's unique about you and completely own it, completely amp it up. And this, I think, is just exactly what you've done. And I congratulate you massively for it. But you must have felt all sorts, or did you feel all sorts of resistance, negative self-talk? And if you did, how did you deal with it? Yes, I used to be consumed by self-pity and anger and quickly realized that those feelings were getting me nowhere. However, I would never be able to achieve all I have done today if I had not fought those negative, self-destructive thoughts. 
I have always found it vital to continue having a great life by my standards, despite my physical limitations and the way people used to treat me. I just decided, not in the space of one day, but over a prolonged and agonizingly lonely time, to take back control, face my fear, while ignoring my self-loathing mindset, and do it anyway. I have to ask about technology, and I get the feeling technology is a great gift for you. Would that be fair to say? We often hear negative stuff about Facebook, about the internet, social media, etc. But I'd love to hear your thoughts about technology, maybe even the good and the bad. I find that social media is great for business. It is great for what it was originally created for, which is to connect people and for people to be able to share their opinions and experiences. It has, however, as with most things, the potential to be used in a wrong way. Over the past few years there has been an increase globally in suicides due to bullying on social media. This is just one of the major issues that I would have regarding social media. That and the lack of monitoring that goes on in the background. But again, it connects millions of people around the world and for the majority is used in the correct manner. I have benefited greatly from it. I am a two-time best-selling author because I have used social media to promote and sell my books. Also, technology plays a huge part in how I carry out my speaking events, radio interviews, and even podcast interviews such as this. You've mentioned your boyfriend Patrick a couple of times. I think it'd be good to hear about your relationship if you're happy to share it at all. How did you two meet and how do you help and support each other? I think listeners will be really interested to hear about the day-to-day practicalities of your lives and how you live it. I met Patrick at a disco for the physically disabled in November 2012. I was 16 at the time. I was not really talking to him and I never paid any attention to him because I thought he was a little kid. He was chatting to my cousin Jenny for the majority of it. She texted me two days later and told me that Patrick asked her to tell me that he likes me. Of course I had no idea who Patrick was. When Jenny recalled my memory, I was shocked. I assumed that he was only 12. I found it strange that a 12-year-old would be interested in a 16-year-old who was turning 17 in three months' time. I remember thinking to myself, no way, but I quickly discovered he was in fact 19. So I decided I would start texting him and get my first judgment of him. It was great getting to know each other. I started to become fond of him and wanted to meet him properly, face to face, so we did, and it went well. I really connected with him, and wanted to go out with him, we tried, but unfortunately we broke up, because it was too difficult to see each other. But, just as in every Hollywood movie ever made on the subject, we kept bumping into one another, and would end up getting back together again, and restarting and another thing would happen and we would break up, again. But, through a lot of growing up, and realizations made, that this was what we both wanted, we made it work. The past seven years we have lived life together, and made life happen for us both. We have worked out ways of making it work. 
We both share a passion, which is traveling the world. In the past seven alone years alone, we have been to 26 countries. We also both love helping and inspiring people, and we are now doing that too. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing that. I'd like to ask about your future and your aspirations. What are you working on now? What are the dreams that you want to fulfill? I will be a global inspiration and will continue helping others through my message and my story, being taken around the world to give talks with Patrick, becoming the best disability life coach due to my ability to relate and connect with my clients. Also, I want to improve my mobility to learn to drive and give myself more independence. I will work on my body, teaching it to heal itself, and I believe, with absolute certainty, and when the time is right, that I will speak clearly and freely again, with my own voice. I strongly believe that we all should never stop having aspirations, because as soon as you do stop, that is when you may as well give up on life, and just go about existing, how boring and unfulfilling that would be. For that reason, I will continue to grow. We all must continue to grow. Let's explore one thing you just said there, more if that's okay. You say that you believe with absolute certainty that you will speak clearly and freely again with your own voice. And it reminds me, I think, of the story about Napoleon Hill's son, Blair. I think it's in the book, Think and Grow Rich. And Blair was born with an ear condition, which meant he would never be able to hear or speak. And between them, they resolved to overcome the challenge and eventually through faith and hard work, as the story goes, the development of technology also, they achieved it and they could hear and learn to speak. And it seems like you have a similar level of that belief. Where do you think that belief comes from? Does that belief ever waver? And are you aware of any technology being developed currently or worked on currently that might be able to play a part in making that vision of yours a reality? Well, firstly... I am not aware of any current technology available, no. But, I am not pinning all my hopes on that anyway. I believe with all my heart, and all my positive daily thoughts, that I will talk again. I just know I will. My belief in this, is backed up 100%, by the level of love, encouragement and support that I have surrounded myself with. When I am on stage, giving one of my talks, I feel that love, and it fills me with confidence. When I am confident, I am happy. When I am happy, I am relaxed, and when I am relaxed I can use all my muscles, including my throat muscles, much easier. It is a very difficult question to answer if I am being honest, but a combination of self-belief, loving support, and my newfound self-confidence, in overcoming any and all obstacles, aids me in this knowledge. Tracy, it's been amazing speaking to you. I typically finish with a few short questions, if that's okay. Firstly, do you ever feel fear now? And if you do, what scares you? I used to have lots of fears, fears around socializing, and so on. I would spend hours or even days building myself up with anxiety. But I would always try anything once it was safe, and once it was something that I actually wanted to do. That is how I have always been, my motto is. Face the fear, and do it anyway. What about success? What is success to you? How do you measure it? People define it differently, in my opinion, 
such as being rich, once you're rich that is it, you are sorted and happy for the rest of your life. My success is deeper than that though, yes, I want to make money, to be valued, and feel pride in my work, but the most important success to me is having the gift to make people smile, and to inspire, and help people, this really adds more fulfillment. To me, success is meeting good people, and having the ability to give your time to those good people, all the while feeling appreciated. Success is about having the ability to communicate your feelings, and for that message to be heard. Is reflection important to you? Yes, I do enjoy having moments of looking back to see my progress and all that I have achieved. It also gives me the ability to plan out what I need to work on. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? That's easy. Anything is possible once you believe. Final question. What's your definition of happiness? Being surrounded by good influences, good family and friends, helping people and helping myself. And lastly, creating good memories with loved ones. Trace McCann, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Shane here again, signing off really briefly. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Life Well Lived podcast, I'd be really grateful if you could do one of three things. Hell, if, if you want to do all three, I'm not going to get in your way, trust me. Firstly, rate and review. Your reviews on Apple Podcasts help this show to be seen and heard by more people. So if you thought that this episode would benefit others, a review over there will go a long way towards doing just that. If you've in some way been inspired or moved or motivated or informed by what you've just listened to, please do go to Apple Podcasts, find this show, The Life Well Lived Podcast, and leave a review. Secondly, share it out in social media. Social media is so fragmented right now and everyone has their own favorite platform, but it doesn't really matter. Wherever you prefer to go, whether it's LinkedIn or Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or anywhere else, go ahead and share it. The easiest way to do that right now is to just take a screenshot on your phone or your computer of this episode and just post it up and tell your friends and followers why. And thirdly, you can sign up for updates about the Life Well Lived project. This project and all of my work in it is motivated by this. There is so much fucking depression, anxiety and all around unhappiness in the world. And this work, the work of the Life Well Lived project is about trying to make things better. Tiny bit by tiny bit, one little ripple after one little ripple, one day at a time. The vision is a world where the cycle of depression doesn't have to be handed down across multiple generations and accepted as an unavoidable fact of life. The vision is a world where everyone is liberated to know, embrace and express the full breadth of their own individual uniqueness and to be resilient enough to accept the judgment of others who've yet to experience their own awakening. So to get those updates about the work that I do, whether that's podcasts or writing or anything else related to the Life Well Lived Project, please go to my website right now at shanebreslin.com forward slash mission. That's shanebreslin, B-R-E-S-L-I-N.com forward slash mission. Thank you so much and I'll see you next time. Thank you.